this is Tex Perkins. Hello, this is Tim Finn. This is Ash Grunewald. G'day, this is Darren Jack. Hi, this is John Stevens. Hey, this is Kenny from the Birds of Tokyo. Hey, I'm Pink. Hey, this is Rich Robinson from the Black Crows. Hi, I'm Jeffrey. And I'm Annette. And we're Dexon Hughes. Hughes. I'm Marcus Canyon. I'm Cassie Daly. Hi, this is Kevin Barge. Hi, I'm Gary Clark Jr. Hey, it's Liam from the Teskey Brothers here. Hi, I'm Eli Wolf. This is John Lennis. Hi, I'm Susie Quattro. This is Diesel. Hi, this is Buddy Knox. You listen to the Bay and Basin's best music mix. 92.7 FM. Do you love movie and TV series? Here is the radio show for you. Get ready for a new edition of Pick the Flick. Only on Bay and Basin, 92.7 FM. The most on the coast. Welcome to another edition of Pick the Flick at Bay and Basin 92.7 FM. This is Raul, and I'll be your DJ for the next hour, 3.15 to 4.15, as I do every week. I have a special show prepared for you. I picked uh, another great, great director to put a spotlight on uh, for today's show. And I have um, some tracks from six of the sound scores for six of his films. So I'll tell you more about him later. And I also have the Pick the Flick game to play for you. And for that, I have also six old TV shows. Um, and I have the intros for those. I play 10 seconds from it. And then you can try to recognize who the shows, the names of the shows. And if you do remember them, you can do three things. You can just write them down on a piece of paper at home. And and then you can see how good your memory was at the end of the show, because at the end of the show, I will announce them in full. You can also get in touch with me here at the studio, at the Bay and Basin on the 2.7 FM studio. You can call me on 444 or you can text me on our text line, 0403 um, Either way, if you get in touch with me, and if you tell me the number of the track, the name of the show, and your name, and you're correct, I will announce it on the show today. And I will do the pick the flick game about three times during the show. And so now at the beginning, and then in the middle of the show, and, and then at the end I will play them in full, and I will disclose the names of all those shows. So, But before we launch into anything, how about a proper acknowledgement of country? Bay and Basin Community Radio is located on the lands of the Wandjawandian people, speakers of the Darawal and Durga languages. We acknowledge the Wandjawandian people, traditional custodians of the area, and recognise their continuing connection to the land, sea, culture and community, and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Thanks so much, Brad, for the announcement. And now that we've done the proper acknowledgement of country, we're ready to go on with today's show. So um, the show, the director I, I chose for you today is uh, Orson Welles, and he's a big, big name in the film uh, entertainment. Uh, he's, he's an actor as well and many more things. So I'll tell you more about him and his life and his films later. But first of all, let's have a go at the Big the Flick game. So I will play 10 seconds from each of these 
six old TV shows I picked for you. See if you can recognize the names of the show. Number one. Number two. Number three. Number four. Number five. Number six. So I think number four and number six are pretty much giveaways for the Australian audience um, that uh, will be listening there. And these are these are very very popular shows here in Oslo. So, uh, but you know, you know, so, so how how did you do? If you think you recognize them, uh, remember you can write that write them down, number and show, and then at the end of the show you can see how good your memory was. Uh, alternatively, you can get in touch with me. You can text me on our text line 0403-572-344. Or you can call me on the studio, and the number here is 444-396-444. So if you get in touch with me, you remember you need to tell me your name, the number of the track, and the name of the show. And if you're correct, I will announce it on the show today. So as I said, today's show is dedicated to Orson Welles. His uh, full name is George Orson Welles. And Orson Welles was born on the 6th of May in 1915. So uh, Orson Welles will be celebrating um, his, uh, what's that, uh, 1898. He will be celebrating his 1998. I think it's a lot more than 98, like 108, 108 years of age, yes, um, if he was alive still, but he's not. So, um, so, um, he was an American director, a screenwriter, producer, and actor. And so, for uh, big names in the current film industry, like Steven Spielberg or George Lucas, both of them have said, Orson Welles was one of the greatest figures in the history of Hollywood. However, Welles was never accepted by Hollywood, really. So probably, um, as people say, because he was too much of a genius. He was too much of an intellectual for the Hollywood um, crowd. And that's very interested in money, you know, and um, popularity. And also, Wells was not interested in any of that. He was also interested in, in art and, and filmmaking and, and s- s- uh, social issues. And his films have a lot to do with social issues. So he was born in the town of Kenosha. Kenosha is an industrial town in Wisconsin in the USA. And he was the son of a failed inventor and an artistic mother. So according to the legend, 
you know, Orson could talk like an intellectual by the time that he was only 18 months of age. There you go. And by the time he was five, he was reading Shakespeare. And then he featured Shakespeare through his work in his career many times. So he preferred Shakespeare and Shakespeare um, um, books and novels. Um, Wells began his career when he was 16. So he left the USA and moved to, to Ireland. And then he got a job as an actor at the Gate Theatre in Dublin. And stayed there for a while. And then returned to New York. And the, one of the most defiant things he did uh, while he was back in New York um, was that he helped bring to the attention of New York critics his name with that. He created... Uh, pre- um, Mac Big presentation on stage and the entire cast was an uh, African American cast so that was a big big thing for New York and we're talking about he was uh, maybe in the 20s so we're talking about 1935 in 1937 Wells founded his famous theater group the Mercury Theater with whom he worked on stage plays, but also on radio plays. And Toronto um, was experimenting with Shakespeare, of course, as I mentioned previously, and presented an avant-garde, modern dress version of Julius Caesar, um, then in, in which he changed the story a little bit to make a very bitter attack on fa- fasc- fascism. And, and it was a time when Hitler and Mussolini were starting in Europe to build their you know, dicta- dictatorships. So um, to be in the USA, you know, pushing a message against fascism is a, it's really um, timely. Um, the following year, 1938, Wells and his actors were on radio. And uh, he was only 23 years old. And he gained huge reputation in the U.S. Uh, on the evening of Halloween 1938, the 31st of October, he caused national panic spreading across the U.S.A. with his dramatization of H.G. Wells' novel, The War of the Worlds. And he convinced millions of Americans that Earth was being invaded and attacked by people from Mars. And the listeners were terrified to hear the voice of Wells describing as if it was a live broadcast from a news radio station. Um, and he was broadcasting things like you know, the arrivals of the visitors in their fighting machines. And it sounded so real. So that was a huge claim to fame for Mr. Wells. So when he was only 25, he moved to Hollywood. And a year later, in 1941, he produced Citizen Kane. Citizen Kane is a film which today, to this day, continues to be considered one of the greatest films that he's ever made. Directing and acting on the leading role, Wells produced a movie that was not only a revolutionary in cinematographic techniques, but also in a sense of film which analyzed the major aspects of the spirit of America, or the USA, in the form of the self-made man, himself the symbol of the 19th and 20th century American capitalism. 
So Cain was based on the rise and fall of California's newspaper magnate William Randolph Hearst, whose ruthless jur- journalistic techniques and the and driving quest for power made him into the most important media figure of the time. The inventor of sensationalizing journalism, Hearst, has become had become at the time uh, his greatest power in 1937 the owner at the time of his greatest power he was the owner of 26 daily newspapers 8 radio stations 12 magazines and 2 film companies interesting parallelisms could be established with the current media magnet Keith Rupert Murdoch so back to Hearst even in his decline he was a powerful man and a man who did his best to make sure that Citizen Kane, that was the film that was made um, to represent him, was a failure. And he succeeded at the time. So Citizen Kane, the film, after you know opening in New York and California, was really not a big success. And in the rest of the USA, it was pretty much nothing. So still, um, it is rare for the qualities of greatness and commercial success to coexist in the same work of art and especially especially in Wells films so Wells hired Bernard Herrmann an American composer and conductor to compose the film score for the film and most Hollywood film scores were written quickly so in a few weeks or maybe two weeks or something but Wells wanted quality on his piece so he gave Herman 12 weeks to write the music Herman had so much time that he could do his own orchestrations he could conduct his own pieces of music he worked on the film reel by reel and it was shot and as it was shot and cut and he wrote complete musical pieces for some of the montages and Wells edited many of the scenes to match the length of the musical pieces that were written by Herman. So the first track I have for you today is titled Rosebud and Finale and is by Bernard Herman from the film Citizen Kane by Orson Welles.
And I'm Maya. You're listening to Community Radio 93.7 FM. Thanks so much for that, Flynn and Maya. And yes, you're listening to Bay and Bay's 92.7 FM. And this is the Pick the Flick. And this role. And I played the first track on today's show, titled Rosebud and Finale. And that was by Bernard Herman from the film Citizen Kane. That was uh, directed and written by Orson Welles. And so one interesting fact is Orson Welles gave away his Oscar. He won an Oscar for Citizen Kane. And he was best movie. And uh, he was um, was quite successful at, um, as he was nominated for nine awards, the nine Oscars, the Citizen Kane. And in 1941, Citizen Kane won the best original screenplay. However, uh, Wells did not keep that Oscar. So when he was working on another project in 1971, 30 years later, um, the project was the other side of the of, of the wind, and I'll tell you more about it later on the show today. So Oscar Wells could not afford to pay the cinematographer uh, Gary Graver. So he decided to give up the Oscar uh, in a means of payment for Gary. And, and then even after doing that, he still was unable to finish the film. But I'll tell you more about later, about that film in particular. In 1946, uh, Orson Welles released another film, The Stranger. And it was a thriller that um, he directed and, and co-wrote. And it was... Uh, third completed feature film as a director and his firm film of uh, noir film noir style so it centers on on a war crimes investigator tracking a high ranking Nazi uh, with a fugitive to a town in Connecticut so it's a first Hollywood film to present documentary footage of the Holocaust so we're talking about 1946, so you know the war had just finished, and and he was the first movie, first Hollywood film director to present film footage from the Holocaust to wake up people about the crimes that had been um, made during the war. Stranger was um, the only film that Wells made that was a office uh, box office success so uh, upon its release it, it cost the film to it cost to make about 1 million US dollars at the time and and as soon as it was released and the first i think in the first weeks or something of his release and he had doubled that already and 15 months since its release he had tripled that in revenue so really successful for for the whole production team. The music score for the team was created by Bronislaw Bronislaw should be pronounced properly Bronislaw Caper, and he's a Polish film composer who scored films and musical theater in Germany, France, and in the USA. The second track I have for you today is titled "Sweet One," and it's by Bronislaw Caper. And from the film The Stranger by Orson Welles. There we go. (laughs) 
92.7 FM. The home of great music in the Bay and Basin. And you're back to Pick the Flick. And that was um, the track for the song titled Sweet One by Bronislaw Caper um, from the film The Stranger by Orson Welles. Orson Welles. In 1958, uh, Orson Welles released another film, another film noir type of film that was written and directed by him, and and he also started in 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 the film. Start started in the film. So the screenplay was loosely based on the contemporary um, Whit Masterson novel, the. A Badge of Evil, that was the name of the novel, and that was released in 1956, so basically Wells worked on the script from that book. In, so he was hired by uh, Universal International, it was called at the time Universal International, Universal, the film studio, to direct and to star in the film, and, and as well to rewrite the script. And during the post-production of the film, uh, he had a lot of issues with Universal. And uh, they they got so into trouble that they forced Wells to leave the film the production team. So Universal then went back and edited the film that was you know finished by by Wells, and ordered to do some reshooting of some scenes, and uh, creating a new version than from the version that Orson had created. And in response to that, was so so upset that wrote a memo outlining the creative vision that he had for the film, and, and he was the writer of the film from you know that book. So he asked for the version to be restored. So the version, the, the film was released in 1958. So um, it was only Wells' request was only granted to Wells 40 years later. So anyway, initially when the film was released, it was dismissed by the critics, and and then but in Europe it became more popular, and audience started to watch it, and and that went like you know word of mouth. And in 1958, uh, the Brussels World Film Festival, um, you know, awarded the film with one of the top awards they had. So in the 70s, the reputation of the film was uh, renewed. And is you know now widely regarded as one of Wells' best motion pictures, and one of the best classic era film film noir type of films. So, a Touch of Evil was, you know, finally re-edited to Wells' desires and vision in 1998, and the sound score for the film was created by Henry Mancini. Henry Mancini is an American composer, conductor, arranger, pianist, and flutist. And so he's uh, cited as one of the greatest composers in the history of film. He won four Academy Awards already. He won Golden Globes, 20 Grammy Awards. You know, um, Mancini was already very, very famous when he was approached by, by, by Wells. So he... Um, one of the things that he created that probably was would be more popular he he created a theme uh, for the TV show um, the Pink Panther I don't know if you remember that animation so he, the, the the theme for for that show was created by Mancini 
So the third track I have for you today is titled Tara's Theme, and it's by Henry Mancini and from the film Touch of Evil by Orson Welles. here and you're listening to 92.7 Bay and Basin FM where we love all types of music. Thanks Margo and you're back to Pick the Flick and the last track I play for you is titled Tara's Theme by Henry Mancini from the film um, The Touch of Evil by Orson Welles. So now I'm going to take a little break and I play again the pick the flick game and I'll, then we go back to the last three soundtracks I have for you for f- films from Orson Welles. So here we go with pick the flick. I'm going to play 10 seconds from each of these six old TV shows. See if you can recognize them. Number one. Number two. Number three. 
Number four. Number five. And number six. So how did you go? Did you recognize one, many, all of them? And if you do, remember to write them down on a piece of paper so you can see how good your memory was at the end of the show. Um, or you can get in touch with me here at the studio. You can call me on triple four three nine six double four, or you can text me 0403572344. And if you do get in touch with me and tell me your name, the number of the um, the, the intro and the name of the show if you're right i'll announce it on the show so now going back to orson wells who we are featuring today on, on today's show in 1962 he released a drama film um, titled the trial so he uh, he wrote the screen screenplay based on on a 1925 um novel uh, by Franz Kafka, Kafka. and um, so he m- modified and adapted that and created the screen play for for the film, the, tri- uh, the trial. Um, started immediately after completing completing the film, and he stated, uh, "The trial is the best film I have ever made." So, in his own opinion. This film, 1962, The Trial, was his best film. He preferred that film better than Citizen Kane. And I watched The Trial last night just to get my head around it. And and I have seen a lot of other films of Orson Welles, but um, um, I had not seen this film. It's a really interesting film. So um, the film begins with Kaf um, Welles, was voice uh, narrating Kaf- Kafka's uh, parable before the law. It's a very interesting parable, and uh, and then launches into the film. And it, the film is about the story of this bureaucrat and um, who's been accused of some crime. But it, the whole film, you know, you never know what the crime is, and and this person is trying to find what is the crime that people have been accusing him of. And, you know, and there's police and lawyers and judges and, you know, everything around him. And it's a it's very strange. It feels like a dream, kind of, uh, because they, the characters are going from... Uh, from place to place, you know, and, and things are connected when they shouldn't be, you know, and um, it's, it's really wonderful. It's a black and white and um, with great cinematography. And so, Wells plays in the film, he plays a part called The Advocate, and so he's a bit of a lawyer for the character, and and he's a, the film's principal antagonist, so it's like, the, the the trial has grown in reputation over the years, and Roger Ebert, his big name on the critics, film critics world, um, have called it a masterpiece. And it's uh, it's praised because of its scenic design and cinematography. So there are some angles that 
Wells takes on the films and to make you feel different you know um, like the film starts the first scene in the film after the the parable is read the first film is in the character's bedroom and and the doors are huge it's um, the doors go from from the floor to the to the ceiling all the way and and the the floor is low so when when characters are walking uh, through the the room, it, it's it's low, so it feels you feel trapped already by by this uh, the look of the of the room. It's amazing. Um, so one of the very important elements that contributes to the feelings that the film steers on, on you and the atmosphere they creates is the score, is the sound. Uh, it was created by Jean Ledru and it was it's using original music and adaptations and of uh, Tommaso Albignoni's stunning and iconic adagio in G minor so Albignoni was an Italian composer of the baroque era so like way way before the, the film was, was was shot and and he his output was mostly operas and concertos and sonatas and you know um, from one to six instruments and then it has symphonies and solo cantatas and so um, the, the adagio in G minor was a bit different for what he created as well and an interesting fact is that adagio in G minor is attributed to Albignoni but it was actually largely written by Remo Giasotto and Remo Giasotto was a 20th century musicologist and composer he was the cataloger of the works of Albignoni so he was very close to Albignoni to understand how to catalog every one of his pieces so he composed Adagio in G minor really, not Albignoni anyway the fourth track I have for you today is Adagio in G minor from the film The Trial by Orson Welles. Enjoy it.
Hi, my name is India, and you're listening to the best station, Bone Basin FM, 92.7. Thanks so much for that, India. And uh, this, yes, this is 9pm Basin, 92.7 FM, and this is Pick the Flick. The last track I play for you is titled Adagi in G Minor, and, and it was featured on the film The Trial by Orson Welles. Um, an interesting... Um, piece of information I, 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 after I watched the film yesterday and I learned uh, is that the, the main actor is Anthony Perkins I think it's Anthony Perkins his name um, he plays the main character on the film and Anthony Perkins later in his career you know was discovered that, that he was he was a homosexual he was gay and when one time one of the critics and, uh, interviewed Orson Welles and asked a question about if he knew that he was gay and, and if that had anything to do with with the way that he um, he ran that uh, created that piece the trial and well said that he did know and he did know and and he didn't want to disclose what was the meaning of the, the film really but it had a lot to do with the way that he wanted the character to behave in the film so if you watch that film um, I think it may have something to do with the way that um, homosexuality was being repressed and especially around Hollywood for example in the time and, and because of this crime that the person committed that there was no crime it's a very very interesting perspective that one And so if you haven't watched it maybe watch it and see what you think so in 1966, uh, Orson Welles de, uh, released uh, another drama, and the title was uh, Chimes at Midnight, and he directed and also uh, starred in, in the film. And it was a Spanish-Swiss co-production that was released in the U.S. as Chimes at Midnight, but in most of Europe it was released as Falstaff. And the plot centers are um, around William Shakespeare's recurring character, Sir John Falstaff, and the father-son relationship that he had with Prince Hull, and, and who must choose between you know, royalty, I mean, his loyalty to his father, the queen, the king, um, it was King Henry IV, uh, or loyalty to Falstaff. And so well said that the core of the film story was the betrayal of friendship. So Wells had previously produced a Broadway stage adaptation of um, nine Shakespeare plays um, called Five Kings. In 1939, he did that. In 1960, he re uh, revived the project in Ireland as Chimes at Midnight, uh, which was a final on-stage performance that his uh, theater group had. So neither any of those two um, uh, in, uh, plays were, were successful. And neither the, the one that he did in 1939 or the one that he did in Ireland in 1960, he was not very successful with either one. Um, and then Wells considered portraying Falstaff to be his life ambition and turned the project into a film. So in order to get money for the film, he had to lie. So he went to a producer, Emiliano Piedra, 
and he was an Italian producer or no Spanish producer and and then he told Emiliano Piedra that he was he needed funds to make a Treasure Island film and and then that lie kept the film funded but you know all through the production it was a constant struggle because people were discovering that elements of the film were not really for the Treasure Island type of film. So anyway, well, shot chimes at midnight throughout in Spain in between 1964 and 1965, and it would premiere in 1966 at the Cannes Film Festival, and it won two major awards at that festival. So the score for the film was composed by Angelo Lavagnino. Uh, he had worked with Wells before in another film of uh, Orson Wells uh, titled Othello in 1951. So Lavagnino was, was an Italian, Italian composer. He was from Genoa, the north part of Italy. And the film score, um, it's is notable for its prominent use of medieval monophonic dance tunes. That's a technique that is used a lot in other films, more contemporary com- contemporary films. Um, but at the time, it was a brand new technique that nobody had used before. And it was not common at all, and it surprised everyone. So the fifth track I have for you is from the film Chimes at, by, Chimes at Midnight by Angelo Lavagnino and, and it's called Fifth Track just, just the name the word
92.7 FM. The home of great music in the Bain Basin. The last track I played for you there was uh, titled Chimes at Midnight by Angelo Lavagnino and it's from the film of the same name by Orson Welles. So I only have one more film to cover and it's the film I mentioned earlier on um, on the show, The Other Side of the Wind. So that is an Orson Welles um, drama that he directed, co-written, co-produced and co-edited. Um, however, it was released in 2018 because Orson Welles was never able to finish it. And so it was posthumously released and 48 years in development. And uh, it was intended to be Orson Welles' Hollywood comeback by, by him. The film began shooting in 1970 and it was inter- intermi- intermittently, you know, shooting um, all through the 80s. And then he became embroiled in some legal, financial, and political complications, and they could not go forward. And then Wells died in 1985. So the film was completed, and several attempts were made at reconstructing the film, and, but they never were able to succeed until 2018. So the, the story utilizes a film within a film, as a narrative which follows the last day in the life of an aging Hollywood film director and as he hosts a screening party for his unfinished latest project. The film was shot in an unconventional documentary style featuring a rapid cutting approach between many cameras and story numerously journalists and newspeople with both color and black and white footage mixing 8 millimeters and 16 millimeter film it was intended amongst other things as a satire of both the passing of classic Hollywood and the avant-garde filmmakers of Europe and the new Hollywood in the 70s so the other side of the wind had its most its, its world premiere at Venice in the Venice International Film Festival in August 2018 and then it was released um, two months later in November 2018 by Netflix and Netflix accompanied the release of the film together with a documentary uh, by Morgan Neville titled They Love They Love Me When I'm Dead and that documentary is the documentary of the making of the film and, and it's a lot of Orson Welles footage uh, behind the scenes while he was making the film. So the film lacked a musical score. And so Welles indicated, because he couldn't make it, you know, in the time he was working on the film, so he indicated that he wanted jazz to be the, the score for the film. So in 2018, Michel Legrand was announced uh, as the you know the composer that's gonna was gonna create the score for the film. So Legrand had previously composed the score for uh, Wells' 1973 film titled F for Fake. And uh, so orchestral recordings with jazz ensembles were used by Legrand in order to honor Wells Wells wishes. So the sixth and final track I have for you today is called Chapter One, and it's by Ma- uh, Michel Legrand, 
um, from the film The Other Side of the Wind by Orson Welles. That was Chapter 1 by Michel Legrand from the film The Other Side of the Wind by Orson Welles. And it's the last track I have for you today. Um, another interesting fact, um, Welles had many unfinished projects, m many, many of them. Um, he died in 1985 when he was 70. And he had completed 13 films in his career. He had 15 films that he could never complete. So some projects date back to 1930s and 40s, and all his unfinished projects were handed down to his long-term partner, Oja Kodar. So she donated some films to the Munich Mus Music Museum for Preservation. The museum uh, edited together the complete footage of a 27-minute cut, which was screened at many festivals in honor of Orson Welles. Orson Welles was a man who stood head and shoulders above most of the contemporaries, uh, of his own contemporaries. And, uh, and yet, 
you know, in a sense, he was Hollywood's greatest failed genius because because of some so many incomplete incomplete projects, incomplete work. Um, another interesting fact before I finish it is that in 2016, during the U.S. presidential election, Donald Trump was more than once compared by many uh, as uh, as the great great fictional character created by Orson Welles uh, in his film Citizen Kane. So maybe we should all watch Citizen Kane again before the next election. (laughs) Um, Okay, so that's it for Orson Welles, and I only have a minute left. I'm going to play the pick the flick, and I tell you who they were this time. Number one American Adventure Show nineteen seventy four Born Free is the name of the show. Next, number two. Uh, television series science television series with Carl Sagan air in 1980 Cosmos was the name of the show next that's one of my favorite shows when I was a kid called Jack the Night Stalker. Next. No. Next. Here. Number four. Yes. It's Neighbors, of course. 